Gold Radio, the podcast presented by Sorcerer Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. It is awesome to be in the goaltending world right now. The most unprecedented free agency slash trading slash draft uh, that we've ever been through. And it uh, it uh, has spanned uh, global markets because I've been at the Olympics in Tokyo and I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, hey, you hear about the flower deal? You hear about uh, that? Uh, what Seattle did? Uh, it's uh, it's quite wild. As we bring in the co-founders of Ingold Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, uh, we'll get to our gear segment uh, in just a little bit. Uh, big news over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey. And in our feature interview, uh, Brian Elliott, who has just changed teams. Uh, one of the great stories uh, in NHL goaltending over the years as uh, he went from Wisconsin and uh, a couple of uh, NHL stops, including uh, some all-star game appearances. So uh, that's our feature interview presented by Sense Arena. Uh, but gentlemen, did free agency, did this carousel of goaltending live up to expectations? Because what you set the bar pretty high. I, I mean, I said it was going to be an unprecedented level of goaltending movement, and it was dizzying. I'm still spinning at the amount of names, um, and not even just free agency, right? We knew expansion would sort of accelerate this, but the salary cap and the flat cap and the reigning Vesna Trophy winner given away just to open cap space, like... Um, Philip Grubauer changing teams, Darcy Kemper getting traded for a first round pick to fill his spot. Like this is, it was dizzying. Um, it was not entirely unexpected, but I think it actually even exceeded my high expectations because of some of those moves that we didn't see coming. Nadelkovich, Flurry, um, Grubauer, frankly, I think most people thought he'd be back and then Kemper after that. So yeah, I'm still trying to catch up. Um, it's going to make for a fascinating season of uh previews to try and figure out how each of these goalies is going to fit with their new team not many clubs hutch were left untouched like you go through the list and dallas and la and uh, there's a, a few at montreal uh, a couple of more but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of changes out there yeah a ton of change well montreal might have been left untouched but they were certainly part of the story with the expansion right. leading up to this too weren't they and uh you know, for me, guys, I think the thing is we looked at that massive list and I sort of expected who are the names that are going to be on the outside looking in. And there's there's a few, but perhaps fewer than I expected to see and some some still some interesting intrigue to come. I mean, you've got the uh, the Dallas situation where they've got four NHL goaltenders and I know there's some good rationale for what they did there. But um, what what was going to happen to Braden Holtby? We weren't sure. Uh, we've got some intrigue still. I would say maybe in Buffalo and Arizona. Are they finished? Or are they going to go with with what they've got right now? Um, Craig Anderson. I think we all sort of assume that he might be done. Great to see him yeah. back. You know, really really happy to see him back. He. Uh, I don't know if he factored in that he'd have to probably make a trip to Vancouver this year and talk to Woody again. But uh, <laughs> poor bugger, put up for put up with it for one more year and. I know our readers are going to be really happy to be able to hear from him because he's always got a great look at the game for us. So just I think some of those things were really interesting to me. And and uh, Jonathan Bernier, I think we all thought he would get an upgrade somewhere, but he, he really got paid. I think for me, uh, I really enjoyed the fact that there's, there's people out there willing to look at a team that wasn't getting a whole lot of wins and recognize that he had a couple of strong seasons there and to reward him for that. So all sorts of great stories. And for once, hitting refresh on Twitter... 500 times a day actually got you 500 new stories instead yeah. of the rehash, didn't it? It was it was like a ticker. 
I, I think the uh, trips to Vancouver and having to put up with Woodley is uh, one of those bonuses that doesn't show up at cap friendly, but I'm pretty sure goalies are starting to work it into the formula. Like if I'm going to switch teams into the Pacific division and that means four trips to Vancouver, I'm going to need a little more to put up with that guy. Thanks. Well, how about Vancouver, right? Because you've got the Canadian taxes and then you got the Woodley tax as well. Anybody coming mm-hmm. into Vancouver has got the Woodley tax, but those, you know, the poor guys in Vancouver. Well, you know what, though? Hanging out with Woody is good for your brand because it gets you all the exposure on Ingle Radio and uh, the podcast and Ingle Magazine. That's true. And I, I've spent 10 years riding the coattails, too, so it's not that bad, guys. <laughs> uh, give me an idea. Uh, let's just go around the room uh, and declare your story of this uh, really cool period uh, in the National Hockey League. Uh, one jumped out at, uh, at you, and uh, we'll start with you, Woody. I was going to say flower. Um, just cause it's the reigning Fesna trophy winner. He's going to be a first ballot hall of famer and all those things. And the one part about the flurry deal that gets missed is how it affects the goalies left in Chicago, right? Like Kevin Lanikin behind a team that was not easy to play behind. Malcolm Subban had some great moments and Colin Delia at the end of the season. Like, you know, he got stuck. Most of his starts were when the team was really struggling early in the year. Then he was sort of the odd man out and on the taxi squad. He finally gets a chance late in the season. They're a little more stable in front of him, um, but still not a great team. And he played really well. So I had to think, you know, without having talked to him about it, I would have had to think that he was looking forward to another step. And now all those guys are like wondering, where do we fit? Because Marc-Andre Fleury, who is Marc-Andre Fleury, is here. So that's one, um, the one I want to... Revisit a year from now is Carolina and Toronto swapping goaltenders, Peter Morazic and, and Frederick Anderson. Fascinated to see how that one plays out based on the environments, the way they defend, uh, and how you know each team is sort of structured and how the goalies might fit in either market. That's the one I want to see a year from now. I think Carolina right now and the fan base and just trying to stare through that angle and those eyes. Carolina's really happy. And interestingly enough, uh, wasn't Frederick Anderson originally drafted by Carolina? He was. Yes. And if, yeah. you, if you've listened uh, to the Ingo Radio podcast, you would know his reasons for re-entering the draft and ended up getting picked by Anaheim. It involved one Cam Ward and not wanting to be stuck behind him. And uh, the Toronto fan base, I could see being a little hmm, wondering, uh, did, did they get enough uh, via free agency to solve their goaltending a dilemma. I'm not sure that uh, that you go into training camp as as that fan base going. Oh, we're we're all set here. Um, what about you, Hutch? What what angles uh, jump out to you? I think for me, you know, that Alex Nedeljkovic going to Detroit. I know it wasn't a free agency signing per se, but it was part of the carousel. Uh, I think we knew something was up there. We did know something was up in Carolina, but that that's not what I was expecting to see and. And I'll be fascinated to see what happens in Detroit for him. Uh, was you know Freddie Anderson love him, but uh, really is that is that an upgrade and spending all that extra money uh, over Alex? I think that's going to be a, an interesting thing to see play out. We've definitely got some gambles going on here, don't we? We've got some. How's that going to look on Carolina if it doesn't go well, or it could look like a brilliant move and Freddie gets rejuvenated a little bit there. Uh, similarly in Toronto, bit of a gamble. What's going to happen there? How's that going to go down? Um, certainly the, the media will be merciless if it doesn't work out. 
Um, for me, I, I think Grubauer was was the was the interesting story, though. I, I didn't expect them to go anywhere, and I certainly didn't expect uh, Seattle to pick him up, as they had been talking so much about the importance of of keeping that cap space. And they look like they're in a pretty good situation. I, I think out of the draft, people were not bothered by the moves they'd made in net, and so that was kind of a late inning surprise. Uh, for me, and then as Woody just brought up uh, offline before we got on here, the the twist I hadn't realized is, you know, for a couple million bucks more uh, than what they're now spending on goaltending, they could have had Carey Price, and uh, so that's also an interesting bet. So, but you know, it's it's uh, musical chairs every year, so every story uh, begets another story, and it's going to be a fascinating year. Yeah, and the the thing to me is, is this the start of a trend, guys? Like a lot of these are short term deals. So yeah. none of these outside of Grubauer, most of these guys are going to their new places for one or two years. Is the carousel just going to keep spinning? And do we start to see some trends in the coming years on the teams that are best able to identify goaltenders that can play well behind their team? We talked about Cam Talbot in the Minnesota Wild, I think last week or the week before, and how good a fit he's been there and why that was why they exposed uh, Kapokakinen to the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft. And again, they used ClearSight analytics. They went a little deeper. They dug down into the granular data and figured out this guy in our system, his successes, the places where he is strong sort of meet where our team is strong. The other trend here is a lot of teams are just not willing to spend, right? And I say that because that was the rationale in Carolina and yet they spent on Frederick Anderson. But in Colorado in particular, um, the internal limit they set, this is my understanding from a pretty good source, on the Grubauer negotiations was the Robin Lehner deal, five times five, and they weren't going above it, and they didn't. But instead, they end up spending a first-round pick to plug the gap. So um, it's a fascinating time for goaltenders, also at a time where I thought there'd be more goalies than chairs to be filled, and we've still got a guy, friend of in-goal like Devin Dubnik, still doesn't have a contract for next year, and there's a couple guys in that boat. I mean, Tuka Rask, he's going to be out till January because of hip surgery, but what happens to him when he comes back if he wants to play? Um, you know, that trend is also something to keep an eye on on teams that are saying, no, man, we got a really good team. You should want to come and play here, but we're not going to overspend on this position. Coming off a Stanley Cup final that saw $9.5 million Andre Vasilevsky win out over $10.5 million Carey Price. Crazy. I mentioned last week that I wasn't convinced Seattle was done, but I will admit that no point did I foresee Ron Francis and company in play on Philip Grubauer. And I didn't think that the $6 billion or 5.9 was there for Philip Grubauer on the open market. So that one uh, catches my attention. The other one is Chicago and, and Mark Andre. Where is the rationale around that? Because if you were going to pick up Mark Andre, I thought you would be a contender. Chicago's not a contender, they want to take steps. Does this mean Chicago believes that they are a contender for a playoff spot? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I think having Marc-Andre Fleury, like there's enough pieces there. And Marc-Andre yeah. Fleury was so good last year that if you get him at that level, I think you could make that argument that, you know, and there's a lot of people that believe just get in and maybe they feel like their fan base needs to see them get into the playoffs to, to have butts in seats and things like that. I mean, clearly, after a year of no ticket revenue, a lot of owners spent 
on contracts, whether in free agency or acquiring contracts with an eye towards increasing their bottom line over the next year playoffs. I mean, here in Vancouver, it's all in on playoffs, right? Like all in on playoffs, uh, big spending. So I got to think that's that's part of that equation. Now, let's be honest. There were cup contenders that were interested in Marc-Andre Fleury is my information. The problem is most of them don't have the cap space. And you know, again, much like Braden Holpe in Vancouver, Vancouver actually could have gotten something decent back for Braden Holpe if they were willing to eat half his salary. But eating half of Braden Holpe's salary and then having to pay for his replacement basically became a net zero for Vancouver. And much like Vegas and Flurry, it was all about the cap space. So it wasn't about getting something back and eating half. It was about moving the whole hit. I mean, look at Vancouver was in on Alex Nedeljkovic and could have had him as part of a Holtby deal if they were willing to eat cap space. But they weren't because they couldn't afford to spend that much on the position. They actually bought out Braden Holtby rather than get something back for him that they couldn't afford to fit into their cap structure. So I think there's a lot of similarities. I bring that up because there are a lot of similarities between how Braden and Vancouver were handled and how Vegas handled Marc-Andre Fleury. Contenders couldn't afford him. The only teams that could aren't quite there. Where I may be a little bit surprised is why didn't you flip him if you had the option? If you could afford to eat, if you're a team that can acquire him and eat half the cap space, we just saw Darcy Kemper get a first-round pick for $3.5 million, half of Marc-Andre Fleury's cap hit. You could have basically bought a first-round pick in next year's draft, which, from what I'm told, is going to be one of the deepest ones in years. The next two seasons' drafts are supposed to be exceptional. So, But outside of that, the teams that wanted them couldn't afford them. However, just to push on your thought there a little, Woody, they might not have flipped him yet, but they can still take that run at the playoffs with a reigning Vesna Trophy winner to help them. And if it's not working out later in the season, they can flip him then, and he might be worth more than a first-round pick when somebody thinks he could be the guy to put them over the top because there's only one year left on that deal. Good point. One final note on an observation on all the changes that occurred. Edmonton was involved in Darcy Kemper, is my understanding. Um, and it was basically a contest on who could give, would give up more assets. The, Edmonton can't afford to acquire a goaltender without moving Miko Koskinen. That's their reality on the cap. They got one more year of Miko. And so for Arizona to take Miko's contract and give them Darcy Kemper, because from a cap hit perspective, it's pretty much straight across. Wash. In order to be willing to do that, Edmonton would have had to sweeten the pot. And considering Colorado went as high as a first round pick, you can understand if you're Edmonton just how much more it would have cost to not only acquire Darcy uh, for just one year, but also to have to pay them a little bit to take on Miko. So it would have been a first round pick plus plus. Now, I've seen some rumors tying them to Eunice Corpusalo in a swap. Similar thing. You have to give us something to take Miko in exchange for Eunice Corpusalo. And the the cost, the acquisition cost for them was it was insane. Now Corpusalo is on a friendlier contract and I believe has two years left, or maybe this is the last year of it. Um, but when you look at it statistically, like that's the one thing. Like Miko had a down year last year, 
and was right at expected. And a lot of it was because they didn't have a backup goalie at the beginning of the season when Mike Smith was hurt and they played the wheels off Miko. You can't play him that much. He needs the work. And he never really recovered. But Miko Koskinen two years ago was top seven in adjusted save percentage. I'm not telling you he's a world beater who's going to lead you to the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I don't think you spend, and the cost is something like one of their top prospects and a first round pick to get rid of a guy who statistically over the last two seasons has actually outplayed the guy you're acquiring. Even if you see more potential in the other guy, you only got one year left to pain with Miko Koskinen's contract. The uh, Koskinen two years ago was when Dave Tippett uh, stuck to that uh, rotation of two games and then switched to the other guy for two games. And it was balanced and they got a lot of time to work and a lot of time to uh, also work on their game. So it was uh, it was a really good situation for for Miko. So if if there's a situation like that out there, boy, you got to think that uh, with all the analytics that it would be something that somebody would look at. Well, I mean, you'd think I mean, the reality was he just didn't get that chance last year because Mike Smith was hurt and they didn't have they didn't have plan B that that like that was on a complete mismanagement, frankly, of 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 their management team to not have another option in goal. They left themselves with no safety net they could trust so that they could because they were worried about they had nine defensemen on the roster, but no access to a third goaltender. Right. Like that was a mistake. They've got Alex Stalock. Nobody knew that that you were going to have that crazy season and uh, yeah. interdivision and and jam-packed and like it was but you didn't need to be a genius to cut it was just an odd year but you didn't need to be a genius to say you need you're going to need three goalies like it sucked that they needed that third guy early and they didn't have him but it was pretty common knowledge mm-hmm. you were going to need three now they didn't know that they were going to lose the guy they'd signed on waivers their mistake was probably not just claiming alex nadelkovich right back after they lost their guy um on waivers that was the first mistake but listen this year they've learned from it alex stalock is there and he can play so if you lose a guy you're going to still have two and so um i just i just think that if you're edmonton why would you give away a first round pick and one of your top defensive prospects to get away from miko koskinen for one year when the reality is in the right situation he can be really good I love it. It's just been fascinating. And uh, I've committed myself to spending the entire flight home in, in a week. I'll talk to you guys one more time from Tokyo. But my entire flight home will be uh, after downloading all teams' rosters to go through and see what I've missed. And I know I've missed something. Uh, and not just the goaltending world, but uh, defensemen and, and forwards. Uh, because there's just so many things that have been uh, been going on uh, with, uh, with the hockey world through the draft, free agency, and of course the expansion draft uh, with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, and then we've got uh, the Brian Elliott uh, train change of teams and uh, we've got L's coming up in just a little bit. Interesting. Darren Elliott, I work with, with a uh, Vegas Golden Knights and we call him DE. Uh, that's his nickname. Uh, and I was thinking we got Brian Elliott on today at L's. I've never called Darren Elliott L's. I, how the same name, different nicknames uh, can come out. Uh, Woody, you're, you're, you're pretty easy. Hutch, you're pretty easy. Uh, I like to think, but uh, uh just a, a goofy observation as I was, I got a lot of time to ride buses here, here in Tokyo <laughs> to think about uh, go- goofy things. Um, what's going on at the hockey shop? Because uh, that's an, also uh, a, a busy situation right now. I, I'd yell, but I'd worry about busting the levels. It's the back to hockey sale. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, every week we bring you 
sort of what's the new stuff, the new line, the new products. We had the Warrior uh, neck guard last year, by the way, still coming soon. And everyone who listened to that and was like, I got to get it coming soon. Some delays in shipping. But I tell you what, there's no delays on the back to hockey sale is on right now. As soon as you hear this on the podcast, go to the hockey as in right away, because some of the door crashers have already started. And the sale prices that you're going to hear from Cam here, of course, we had to have Siri step in and correct him because math isn't Cam's strong suit. Evidently, 50% off. He has trouble cutting things in half, um, including his uh, goals against average. Um, so that was a real struggle for him. CCM e But he does let in half the shots. Yeah, that's true. So maybe it should be easy, actually. But math was tough for Cam. He couldn't handle it. We had to bring in Siri. That's how deep the cuts are. He probably in his mind couldn't be like, there's no way this can be a sub $300 pad. So he said 400. Like it has to be at least 400. No folks, it's $300. Um, There are two for one composite sticks from CCM. Two for one. Uh, as well as a lot of sales, some of them that have just started the week before, but some real specials on right now as they make way for all the new stuff that is coming. Uh, The hockey industry has not been immune to the shipping problems around the world caused by the pandemic. And so a lot of equipment and lines that were supposed to be in store by now are still coming. We mentioned the Warrior stuff. Uh, CCM Stick E-Flex 5 is one of those things that's sort of fallen in that category. But in the meantime, it gives Cam more time to clear out all this stuff. So let's check in with him right now, actually, and get him to update us on some of these incredible door crashers. I even let him mix in a couple of player specials for those goalies out there are coaching and need a new bar down twig. They got like two for ones and half off there. Let's check in with Cam right now to see what the big sales are. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv. We have been bringing you the latest and greatest in product innovations, the new lines for 2021. We're going to call a little timeout on that this week shift our focus uh we every time we bring you something new we talk about things that have gone on sale past models well we've got a couple right now that are like this is more than just a sale now cam what are you calling this hockey's back this is the big sale hockey is back yes clearly enthusiastic about it it's a little early in the morning for me for that type and level of enthusiasm cam but i appreciate it in you so real quick um there are some door crashes there are some massive savings there's going to be savings all around the store. Check them out online at thehockeyshop.com. Uh, most of the sales are all applying online as well. But there are a couple that are like right out of the gate. As soon as you hear this podcast, go to the Hockey Shop website and check it out. Because uh, these are like super big discounts. I won't pretend on the math. I'm going to let Cam fill you in. <laughs> math isn't your strong suit. So here's where I come into play. I was a math major, by the way. Math major? Oh, man, you should try a little harder then. Um, so leg pads on sale, door crasher style, but available online as well. We have the CCM E 4.5 leg pad. These bad boys are going to be going for $399. 400 bucks. Under 400 bucks, technically. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You two math donkeys. Since neither of you can count, let's make this one a series special. 
Those pads are not $3.99 they are $2.99. That's less than $300 bucks for a new set of pads. The Siri Door Crusher Special. Got it boys? Try to keep up now. I don't want to have to save you again. Flat face knee roll. Those are the sort of like your special specs. That's correct. E wow. Okay. That's so, a hell of a deal. I'm guessing, folks, that these aren't going to last. Make sure you get in early if you're looking for this model. Perfect pad cam for beer leaguer, beer leaguer youth level goalie coming up. Anything, you know what? It, it, this pad's going to be best for, especially like a growing an intermediate pad, like again, a transitionary pad. Beer leaguer, you're one, two time a week recreational guy. Perfect pad for that set. Um, you know what? And in, in the grand scheme of things, there's obviously a good, better, best scenario. Don't get me wrong, these are a good pad, but for the price, you can't really go wrong. 400 bucks for leg pads. Okay, now I'm holding the Warrior G4s over here. Um, we've talked about them in the past, a lot of innovation in these pads. Quick point though, these 4.5, senior only, white not included, colors only for this. When you're looking online, you're only gonna see the color versions. Off the top of my head, I know I got some, obviously, Montreal colorways left. I think I got a couple Detroits, things like that. Check them all out online. All white will be unavailable online for this deal. But if you come in store for those who live locally, who knows? Oh, that's interesting. All right, walk me through these bad boys. What's the price point on these G4s? So, Warrior G4 Senior Pad, going to be 500 bucks on the dot. So, $499.99, so half off. Um, Great price point. Um, I've got two or three different colorways, I think, off the top of my head, which you'll find all online. Um, retro Tan's one of the kind of neater ones that we have. You have Retro Tan in this we for have 500 a retro bucks. Tan. We have a Retro Tan, look at that. For 500 bucks. For 500 bucks. Hell of a deal, folks. It's oh. not going to last. Okay, what else is on sale? Okay, so we also got sticks. Buy one CCM, the white and black colorway that we got here. Get Premier 2.5. How much? Absolutely free. Come on, two for one on stick? Two for one on sticks. P2.5, white and black colorway, some limited sizing that's left over, check it out online. Buy one, get one free. Again, lower price point model, little bit heavier than your high-end premier stick, uh, but gonna be really durable, really good stick, especially for beer leaguers again. Warm-up stick, practice twig, we talked about it before, I like this one, what else you got? So, I mean, normally we don't really kind of cover this stuff, but. Did you bring player crap into my gear segment? Yeah, I don't even, how do you even hold, what? So, player stuff. Yeah, these, you know things. this is a goalie show, right? Yeah. Okay, actually, I guess, you know what? Here's the reality. Goalie coaches, you gotta do some shooting this summer. And a lot of goalies, a lot of young goalies, as they get better, move into goalie schools as coaches. You wanna start firing those rockets bar down, save a little money while you're doing it, or, I know a lot of pro goalies, they get tired of being a goalie in the summer. They go skate out a little bit. Want to dangle your buddies? Go a little uh, light up a goalie yourself. Have a little fun. Evidently, these will help you do the job. And what's the deal on these? So these guys are going to go for half off. I was just getting lost in your, your player terms there. I don't really know. I'm just like... Yeah, I know. You, you, were, you were digging deep. Anyway. I got the player flow, so player flow I can deep. talk player. True, high-end, XC9 stick. You know, any of you real player aficionados might call me out here on what the exact model is. Check them out online. Look at the curve on that thing. No wonder players actually These score every once in a while. They're all cheating, I think. There's a little Gallagher model in the Warrior. What's the price on this one? So half off, so you're going to be looking at 160 there. 
Same thing with this stick as well. Um, I believe we're looking at 160 as well. So, well, I'd, I'd be honest with you, Cam. I'd normally just hack you right across the shins for even bringing player crap into my uh, gear segment, but I'm gonna I'm gonna forgive this one um, because there are so many great deals on the goalie stuff as well. So, folks, make sure you check them on out online in store. Deals start Friday, Cam. TheHockeyShop.com. Where do they go if they have any questions? And what time do those deals start? So, first of all, like you said www.thehockeyshop.com. That's where you're going to see these. Be signed up for our email list as well. That's really going to help you out in getting a, you know, a preview for some of the deals that are going on. More deals to be had online as well. All those sale prices will be live as of Friday evening. Um, the exact date was, what, what day is it today? 27th? 28th? 28th will be yesterday when free agency hit. Today yeah. is the 29th. Oh, yeah. Friday will be the 30th of July. And remember, folks. What he said. Pacific time. They're here in Vancouver. If West you Coaster. can, check them out in person here at the Hockey Shop. If not, thehockeyshop.com. Don't wait. At these prices, they won't last. Yes. Give me a call. 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. But go online and buy the gear. And as you and Cam hung out, I was on thehockeyshop.com, just just perusing and and hanging out. I, can't, I haven't had time to to be on it uh, lately. Checking out those door crashers, it's like legitimate people. Uh, it's not just uh, hype. It, though, I was just going through. It's it's significant savings going on there uh, with Cam and Company. You're talking about like I was passing the phone around the stands in the rink yesterday, and everybody's really? getting excited. Honestly, and everybody's getting excited. Oh, I need this. I need this because it's that time of year now. Finally. Yeah, where so Finally. many kids are getting back in the rink and getting ready for the season to come, and mom and dad realize that uh, little Johnny or little Susie is growing two inches since last season. So there's there's a lot of stuff to be done. What an awesome opportunity right now! Hey, not only that, how about how about uh, treat yourself? Like if men's leaguer, oh beer leaguer, rec leaguer, there's a good chance that you you didn't play last year. Yeah, or if you did, you played very little. Like leagues and things like that didn't happen little like uh, maybe treat yourself uh to get back into hockey with uh with a little bit of uh a freshen up i may have uh may have sent a heads up to my entire beer league team that this sale was coming uh not that they need goalie equipment but uh as cam mentioned the sticks are on sale too so um i may have the the the, the two guys that can actually shoot the puck on my team apologies to everyone else i gave them the heads up that they could buy a decent twig the rest of them might as well be playing with two by fours but <laughs> uh that's that's good uh, like we're talking bags we're talking cages we're talking everything uh, uh on that website so uh so check it out and uh look at the door crashers look at the sales and and have some fun and uh and as you uh as you listen to uh the feature interview brought to you by sensorina it's brian elliott uh coming up he switched teams going from the philadelphia flyers over to the tampa bay lightning and Boy, that's uh, that's pretty cool. But before we get uh, to the interview, uh, just uh, an update on what's happening with Sensorina Hutch. Yeah, kind of fun. I've I've been teasing the fact that we would have some videos showing some of our work with Sensorina, and uh, I just shipped off the first one that we finished, and they're, I, th- I think they're going to run it this week. The reason I mention it here is I often wonder when we publish drills. Uh, at ingoldmag.com, how many people look at it and say, well, that's great, but I can't exactly take it to my coach and say, can we try this in practice? 
Uh, I can't get my goalie coach to mimic this drill here. So I think a lot of people might think that the drill section, the pro drill section, is mostly for coaches and and nothing could be further from the truth. And Sense Arena is one opportunity to take some of the things you've seen at InGoal and put them to use at home um, for yourself. And so even though Sense Arena comes with all kinds of fantastic drills and all kinds of training programs from uh, professional goalies and professional coaches that can help you work with it and to help you use it to improve your game, you can actually use it as a tool of your own if you'd like to try some of the drills that we feature here at InGoal or that you found somewhere else. And so this week, we actually took that uh, really cool moving glove drill that uh, we saw from both Evgeny Nabokov presenting it at the Net360 camp. And uh, and then we also saw Eli Wilson in many camps um, use it. And we've got a demo of Carey Price also working working the drill. And then we're going to show you how you can take this, even though it's not baked into Sense Arena, and then you can actually do this drill yourself at home and see see what it's all about and actually tested it with one of our our readers that had been in touch with me and he just said his kid's eyes lit up and would, would be using it that night so uh you can use sense arena both from all the great tools that are built into it but you can also take it for yourself to try a few new things as well so just another opportunity to uh, use sense arena take to take your game to a new level this season a uh, real treat to uh, Centurina, being able to lean on that kind of uh, technology, almost as good as like being a free agent and signing with uh, two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, like right up in the cool range of of that with Brian Elliott. Yeah, and you know what? Like he talks about uh, having already had a conversation with Franz Jean, who we've we've obviously had on the podcast after he won the first of his two straight Stanley Cups as the goalie mm-hmm. coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we get into some things with with Brian that. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize, and we've hinted at it at shows in the past. Jeff Glass talked about it when he was a playing partner with him uh, early in his Ottawa Senators days. Like Brian Elliott is a remarkable story because, I mean, first of all, he went from undrafted in the OHL, played like a junior B the next year, like a junior, like a tier two junior league the next year, and was drafted to the NHL out of that. Second last pick in the NHL, goes on to a great career at Wisconsin, but what most people don't know is he played a very unique style under Bill Howard, and he gets into that. Like, purposely not being square to the pucker shooter. Seriously, that was the style. And he had a ton of success, and Bill Howard had a ton of success as the goalie coach teaching this. But then he goes to pro, and he's got to change it all, everything. He talks about working with Mike Valley in the offseason, but to me, the untold story of Brian Elliott, or at least you know, in, in mainstream circles, was that he made this jump, and he played a lot of NHL games early in his career against the, the hardest jump. Every goalie tells us, the hardest jump. He makes this jump while completely changing how he plays the game against the best shooters in the world right up into the NHL, and goes from the second last pick in the draft in a round that no longer exists to 500 NHL games this season, which is a mark that, you know, I even had to look it up, like only 76 goalies in the history of the entire National Hockey League have played 500 games. Like this is, again, I just think it gets overlooked a little bit. Um, You know, we see him as an experienced veteran guy now into that 1B role, more of a backup, but like the career he's had from where he came and the changes he had to make to me were remarkable. And so to finally get him on the podcast, been working on it for a little bit and just happened to have it be after he signed with what he hopes will be the three time 
Stanley Cup champions by this time next year uh, was a real treat. And I really appreciate because, as you'll hear, he's a busy guy right now. The move, the family. You talked about it, Darren, earlier. That's the other thing. We tend to look at, we're talking about all these guys in these musical chairs and we look at them as commodities. We forget sometimes there's a family uh, that has to move and uproot and, and that side. And we get into that a little bit with Brian as well in this interview. I think it's a really important signing uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning after Andre Vasilevsky played every minute of every game in the last two Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, just to give yourself a little bit more breathing room uh, with that uh, that position. So uh, Brian Elliott, uh, the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Enjoy. So happy to be uh, welcoming to the Ingle Radio podcast, Brian Elliott, now of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, so much I want to talk to you about, about your career, uh, about the charity event you were involved in yesterday with Ryan Suter. Uh, but first off, signing with the two-time Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Congratulations. Walk me through the process and how nerve-wracking is it to be a free agent in what was probably the biggest game of musical chairs we've ever seen for goalies? Thank you very much. I'm a, I'm excited to to get down to Tampa and and kind of try to jump in that the culture of their room that they obviously have going pretty good right now and you know try to be a part of that and try to help and and everybody that I've talked to you know they're they're saying they're going for for number three again here so um, I definitely want to be part of that and and try to achieve the ultimate goal but yeah it's it was a whirlwind for sure um, you know I don't think anybody knew where landing spots were and there were some that popped up open you know at the last minute with buyouts and trades flurry going to chicago like just kind of weird stuff that you don't see coming and you know try to stay as calm as you as you can and you know trust trust in the the agent that'll you know talk to all the teams that that need anybody and i was happy that you know tampa you know said i was their their number one guy to, to bring in and you know, it makes you feel wanted, makes you feel that, uh, you know, they value what you bring to the table and definitely excited to have that kind of uh, backing and, and trust that uh, I can get the job done down there. Does the human element get lost a little bit, Brian? Like, I mean, even even here at Ingle, we try and be cognizant of it, but you can get caught up with, you know, it's almost like a fantasy hockey team. You're looking at all these guys moving around and you know, you've, you've got kids, you know, like this is not necessarily an easy thing to do to sort of pull up everything and move every year. Do we, do we sort of lose track of that process and what it's like for, for guys like yourself? Um, I think, uh, probably the average fan and, um, you know, and then the mo more involved fan for sure that, you know, you, you think it's just easy to uh, up and move, but since free agency was so much later this year, you know, selling a house in Philly, getting a place in Tampa and having a baby all in uh, probably three weeks here. So it's definitely a stressful time and uh, you have to have, uh, you know, the right support that, you know, they, they know what, uh, what the deal is. And my wife's a trooper and um, it's just a cool part. You know, you get to live in different areas of the country and, and, you know, in Canada as well. And you kind of have to embrace it rather than, you know, shy away from it because, uh, uh, when you when you kind of get mad at the process there, then they probably bite more than you'd like. 
I was going to say, just amid all that and amidst everything going on, you made time yesterday for for Ryan Suter's charity hockey tournament. And so I wanted to make sure we had a chance to touch on that and why it was so important to you. Because with a lot going on, there's a lot of time commitments. You're being pulled in a lot of different directions. Why was it so important to be involved in that? I believe it's the Bob Suter Memorial Tournament and it benefits uh, youth hockey. Yeah, um, just being involved here in, in Madison hockey ever since coming to uh, University of Wisconsin, you kind of you get the history lesson pretty quick about you know who kind of started and kept hockey going in this area and, and got it to where it is today. And, and the Suter family is obviously synonymous for that. And you know Bob Suter was played played a huge role in that. Uh, obviously winning the the gold medal in 1980 and um, kind of bringing that recognition to to Madison along with the rest of the suitors that have played at the University of Wisconsin and you know I just wanted to definitely be part of it I mean to give back a little bit and all the proceeds went to uh, uh, getting kids that you know can't afford hockey equipment the opportunity to play and start up and you know hopefully maybe have a dream of playing in the NHL someday so wanted to be part of it and and you see the guys that turned out for for that family to come out you got guys like uh, Chelios and and Granado and, you know, all the coaching staff here at University of Wisconsin and then all the young guys that, that have stuck around like Craig Smith and Luke Cunning and uh, Greenway and, uh, you know, just, the list goes on. But uh, I just wanted to be part of it and make sure that I did my uh, my part as well. Now, you talk about young kids. It's such an expensive sport in general, um, but the position in particular um, young kids hopefully getting the opportunity to grow up and and have a chance to do what you've done, have a remarkable career in the NHL. I gotta I gotta ask, who was your guy? Like, how'd you get started in goal? Uh, where did the love for the position begin? And was there a guy growing up that sparked it for you? Yeah, I think. I mean, I got started a little bit later than most uh, most kids. And um, my brother, actually, my older brother is two and a half years older than me, and he kind of got in that. Uh, first and I you know he, as being the younger brother I tried to do everything you know bigger and better than him and um, just kind of dove right into it when I was about 10 or 11 after trying it a few times and um, just stuck with that position and you know growing up in the Toronto area I was definitely Felix Poppin at the time uh, when I was just getting into it making the big windmill saves and um, just having the style that I think every kid in that era probably loved to watch. And so that was really big with me. And, you know, obviously the Toronto goalies having Cujo there and then Eddie Belfort, just the, the mix of personalities and, and styles. Uh, it was just really fun to watch. And that's probably what got me into the position and just kind of, you know, made me, uh, you know, pursue it even more. So we're talking probably mid nineties around then. Um, before goalie coaches became, you know, an everyday occurrence right down to the youth level, heck mid nineties, they were the exception rather than, than the rule right up to the national hockey league. So what was it like for you back then? Was it, was it watching those guys and emulating what they did on the ice? How'd you learn? Who were, who were your mentors early on, on the ice? Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't, I didn't go to too many goalie schools. There was one goalie school in Newmarket where I grew up, uh, it was, uh, Davies goalie school. And, uh, I just remember, you know, like, uh, the guy coming down the wing, you stack the pads and throw a poke check and that was your save selection. So I was like, we're a long way from that. But, uh, that was one of the lessons that I remember in my first goalie camp, but 
you know, there's, there's so many people that help along the way. And, you know, and like you said, it, it wasn't really the, uh, the rule it was more the exception. And we, we didn't have too much and you kind of just go out there and, you know, you try to play like either, you know, Dominic Hasek today or, uh, you know, Eddie Belfour, Cujo, and you try to make the same saves they were making the night before on hockey night in Canada. And I mean, that's how, that's how we did it. And, and then you just get more and more coaching as as you go along. It's funny. I mean, do you think that, that we've lost a little bit of that? Um, you know, in, in an era where a lot of that coaching now starts at six, seven, eight years old, and you've got some kids specializing, do you think we've lost a little bit of that instinct? And it's kind of a tough question for me to ask you. Your kids aren't old enough that they're in it yet, but you know, seeing some of the young kids that come up, you know, as pros now behind you, have you do you feel that way at all? So I, I think you're right in saying that. I think. You know, it, it gets away from the instincts at, at times and you just go, you know, right back to your, you know, all the, the technicalities and, you know, we do this in this certain situation and that and this. And, you know, I, I, sometimes you guys got to read and react. And I think, you know, that's been part of my game. But um, you definitely have to have a good foundation to, to go off of. And, you know, being at the University of Wisconsin under uh, Bill Howard, who was, you know, pretty old school. I got to see him last night for the first time in a while. So it was pretty, pretty cool, uh, to see him. But one of my first, uh, trips up to the AHL after college was, uh, who was it? Uh, Losey, um, Ronnie Lotide. He was saying, uh, what do you got to change, uh, to, to make it to this next level here? And I, all I said was everything. And he said, yep, let's get to work. So, you know, it was, it's, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, the teachings and it's a little bit of reacting. And I think when you have a good mix and you just feel that flow, that's, uh, the best thing that you can, that you can go with. Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Bill Howard, cause he's a legend there in Wisconsin, but like you said, from a different era and some very unique teachings. And I'm not sure how much this story has been told, but I was reminded of it. We had Jeff Glass on the podcast recently, and obviously he was with you early in your days with the Ottawa Senators. And he kind of marveled at the way you reinvented your game so quickly while playing pro. And you mentioned just being in the AHL and, and how unique your approach was coming in and how much you had to... I always marveled at it from a distance and, and I'm a little embarrassed to say it's, it's something I wish I'd asked you about many years ago, all the times coming through town and coming through Vancouver, but the ability to do that while playing pro and, and at times in the NHL, like, can you walk us through just how big a change that was and what were some of the specifics of the way you did things at Wisconsin, you know, that had to change for the National Hockey League? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had a chance to, to hang out with my goalie partner, Shane Connolly, who was under him as well at University of Wisconsin. And now he's uh, the goalie coach there. And we were talking about all the things we used to do. And um, basically the, the big premise was uh, instead of playing square to a shooter, which is, you know, everybody talks about as being square, um, yeah. we were playing parallel to the goal line. So you're basically facing up ice no matter what angle, you know, the shooter's coming down on you. And you're taking away short side and given everything far side. So if they shoot far side, you, you make a full extension save, either pad, blocker, catcher, or uh, if they shoot short side, you're just supposed to stand there and let it hit you because there's, you're taking up that space. So it's something that, you know, worked really well in, in college if you can perfect it because, uh, you know, the shooters weren't as accurate or hard. 
but you know, making it to the next level where the shots get faster, everything's happening a little quicker that, um, you know, they can pick you apart. So basically I had to change, you know, how I'm standing and facing a shooter, which is, you know, right down to the basics after getting it ingrained in your head for four years straight. And, you know, every day at practice kind of ingraining that, uh, instinct, you know, to be square, getting that out of your mind. And I think, I mean, it taught me, you know, to be really quick with my reflexes because you had to be, uh, to be really patient because if they shoot short side and you cheat, uh, uh the other way to try to beat the, beat the shot, they're just going to bury it upstairs on you there too. So it was patience is quickness and hard work. And, you know, I think those are the, some of the things that have really helped me along the way. And when you just basically get square and, you know, try to stay in the center of your net, uh, in the pro level, all those things put together. And if you can kind of make sure you find where you are in your crease, you know, it's a good mix. So I, I, I'll, I'll never give up that part of my life and part of my goaltending because I think it's helped me, you know, tremendously throughout uh, my career. And, uh, it was just kind of a weird way to get where you are today, you know? Oh, it's funny because I was going to say I, my my follow up was going to be there had to be benefits to it that that helped you along the way and and you just outlined so many of them perfectly and that's kind of goes to show you eh? like as much as set and square seems to you know I mean that's a key principle there's a lot of different ways to do this I think that's what we love about it right there is no one way to play this position for each and every guy exactly exactly and then you know and then you can boil it down to you know the the exact shooter that's coming down on you you know you can change your way you're on your post because you know the way they're holding the puck or presenting the puck and you can't have a set of rules because the shooters are so smart that um you know they'll they'll figure out what rules you're abiding by and and do something else to to get around you so you know it's the cat and mouse game and you know it continues to be like that but i love the goaltending position because we're always trying to you know innovate and be on the the leading edge of that that game and you know, it's, it's fun to try things out in practice and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And, um, sometimes you feel really comfortable with something and another guy, you know, just can't get comfortable. So it's, uh, it's such a cool position. Everybody plays it a little bit differently and, you know, that's what I love about it. Is there, is there still an element of sort of baiting or like we talk about lost arts, is there still an element that comes with you talked about Bill Howard and, and taking away the short side. Like, like I think of almost that word baiting. I think of Marty Berdur as a guy who used to sort of bait shooters. Like, can you still get away with show, showing something in the NHL and taking it away if you've got a read on a guy? Or are you trying to do that purposely? Or are this, the players at the level now that sort of hedging towards the middle of everything is just the safest bet as a goaltender? You know, I, I definitely think there's baiting involved. I mean, you know, you're you're basically trying to, you know, play your percentages and give a certain percentage that, you know, you, you think they want to shoot at, or, um, they have a tendency to shoot at and, and you can take it away after that. But, uh, like I said, the shooters are so good. So they shoot so hard and accurate that, you know, even if you, you think you're baiting them and then you give it to them and they can still get you. So it comes down to individual guys. I think that's an art form too. So I had the, you know, the privilege and the honor to, you know, share a couple creases in St. Louis with Marty, you know, just watching him in practice. I think me and Jake Allen, just, we kind of, you catch yourself just wanting to play like him. You're looking down seeing how he makes saves and you want to, you know, through the, throw the two pad jammer and, and the huge windmill glove save just like him. And that was really cool for both of us. I know he was a big fan of it too. 
it's so funny because uh, I, I wish I wish we were we're on we're doing a phone call on this one. Often we do video. If you could see my smile right now, Brian, as you talk about those stories and and how that the game has evolved that way. Um, just loving this. Um, what about from the shooter standpoint? Like in that cat and mouse game that we're always trying to stay ahead of. Like, have shooters really? evolved maybe more so we always talk about goaltending and the way it's evolved in the last 20 years but in the last three or four i feel like shooters are starting to show looks to nhl goaltenders that we haven't seen before the the amount of time they spend on skill and deception where it used to be the goalies that worked on their skills and their and their cores are sort of their their fundamentals in the summer it feels like shooters are catching up a little bit yeah i definitely think so i think you can see that with the skill sets of you know the kids coming in when they're 18 19 and um you're like wow like you know there's hall of famers that are probably like oh i can't do that i've never done that before and you know they're just young kids so it's they're definitely the the skill work is is getting more and more and and you know that's why we talk about it it's like it is the cat and mouse like who can who can be ahead of the curve on on either direction and um you know i think they're learning how to freeze goalies you know what stick movements that you know make us go down or not go down and you know it's the little cues that that they're working on that uh probably you know the fan watching from afar doesn't really see but there's mental cues that you know a goalie uses when you see you know open blade a closed blade and you know where the puck is how they're presenting it and i think shooters are really working on uh that deception and and the trickiness in those types of plays and uh i mean and then you you pour all that into a guy like Connor McDavid when he's going 100 miles an hour and and doing all those things as well that nobody else you know has been doing for years that it's the, the league is definitely getting more skilled as far as you know the shooters and the skill involved. Does it make reading the game that much more important? We talked about the give and take. We talked about the how the the games evolved technically for goaltenders, but you know it's really easy for me to from the outside look at technique and I think sometimes oversimplify things because that's all you can see. You don't see the mental side and the read. Is the read and the ability to anticipate based on the patterns that are presented, like, is that the most important part, maybe even as much as guys like me from the outside look at technique and stuff, is that even more important as a goaltender, the ability to process and anticipate at speed? I, I don't know. I don't know what the percentage would be, but I think just the anticipation and reading is way more important than your technique. I mean, um, as, as long as you can get to where you need to be and read that in a timely fashion, then you can still make that save, whatever save collection you, you choose. Some techniques are, you know, better than others and smoother than others, but it's definitely the read. And, and I think, you know, even talking with, uh, my new goalie coach in Tampa, just for a little bit when, you know, when I signed it, we both kind of have the, the same outlook on it is basically, you know, your legs get to. To where you need to be and everything else will you know take care of itself so uh it's one of the things that you know jimmy corsi in st louis he always kind of preached that you know as long as you can get to your spot you know everything else uh, is is instinct and you can make that save no matter what so it's just uh it's definitely all about reads anticipation and um and then obviously your foundation and technique uh go from there yeah, and Franz Jean, a guy that we've had on the podcast as well um, after the first cup there. So uh, in good hands with him and glad to hear you guys hit it off right away. It's funny because getting there and getting to your spots, I guess the one thing on technique is it can help you get there more efficiently at times as 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 that evolves and the efficiency of movement. But reads are core as well. 
when I go back and look, uh, undrafted in the OHL, uh, you go play junior A, end up in the NCAA, ninth round pick for Ottawa. Was there any part, any point along there, any lessons you can share on perseverance? Because the work that it took to get to this level, 500 games in the National Hockey League this year, something that very few achieve. Um, when you look back at those early years, undrafted in the OHL, like was that a moment that you thought you might be done? Or did you, in terms of the NHL being a dream? Or I'm thinking there's probably a lot of kids right now that are listening to this that, that are also going through this. What advice would you give them on that perseverance side? Yeah, um, definitely not the, uh, the normal route. I, I think um, you know, our AAA team, we've always had, we always had uh, a lot of guys drafted to the OHL. And for whatever reason, our year, we had zero. And we had some good, good players. So it was kind of perplexing on that front. And, you know, I, I, I didn't really get you know, stumbled by that. It was more, um, okay, that door is, you know, it's not closed, but it wasn't open wide for you. And, you know, I was always good in school and I was like, I always wanted to play college hockey. So I kind of just focused on that. And, you know, I tried to get my grades up, work on my SATs and, you know, and try to make it to, you know, the next level. I never really looked too far ahead. And, you know, from that junior league, tier two junior league. And, uh, when I was with the Ajax Axman, I got drafted, uh, to Ottawa in the ninth round in the NHL draft. So, you know, one year you don't get drafted in the OHL and the next year you get drafted in the NHL and it's kind of, it's like, okay, well, maybe there is still a chance and, you know, they, they want you to go to school. They want you to develop as, as goalies, you know, need a little bit more time. And, you know, especially as a late round draft pick kind of took a flyer on me and, and I had a great opportunity come up with University of Wisconsin and, you know, and that's, that's kind of where it went, but it was more just, you know, you want to play well at, at this level and then, you know, make it to the next. And I never really uh, looked too far ahead. And, you know, you just try to try to dominate wherever you're playing and, and everything takes care of itself. But, you know, I, I, there's a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of, you know, luck involved too. There's things that, that happen that gave you an opportunity. And, and like I always say in a lot of interviews, you, you get those opportunities and all you just have to take advantage of them. And, you know, there's some, sometimes you never, they never come up again. So as, as long as you feel good and you can sleep at the end of the night that you did all that you could, that opportunity, you know, that's, that's kind of how I approach, you know, each and every game, every, every start is an opportunity no matter if it's number one or number 500. And uh, I try to just approach it the same way each time. I love that mentality. It feels like whether it's golf or goaltending, uh, everybody's about that next shot and staying in the moment. Sometimes it's the easiest thing to say and a hard thing to do. Are there any lessons along the way that helped you come to that where it's just focus on the now, focus in the moment, or has that always been sort of natural to you? It's a tough question. I mean, I think just over time, you're almost forced into that just to stay in the moment. But, you know, guys like, you know, a mentor like Mike Valley that I've, you know, become really close with, it was, it was the goalie coach with the uh, Dallas Stars and, you know, he's, he's all about living in the moment, being in the now. And it's so important. I, I think even on a daily basis, even with your family and kids, you know, you just get so much more out of life, so much more out of your, your play. If you just stay in that, you know, in that day, don't look backward, don't look forward and, you know, just try to enjoy things, enjoy the process. And, um, you know, when you have a support system and mentors like that, that, are kind of always putting that in the back of your mind. And I think it helps hugely. So 
you know, it's your support support system, but it's also all the experiences that you go through throughout your career. Is there anybody that was a big part of that transition into early pro as well, Brian? Um, making all those adjustments, making those changes in your game, because it's not just squaring up on the shooters, it's all the movement patterns to stay squared up, all the movement patterns to arrive squared up versus how you were playing in college. Like, that's a lot. And you're doing it well, moving, you know, taking the biggest step, we talk to goalies, they always say the biggest step is from whether it's college or junior to pro, and then right into the NHL. Like, I always marveled that you were able to change your game so significantly while learning at the highest level. Was that mostly just you or are there some guys that really helped you along the way of that process? Yeah, there, I, there's so many people that help. But I mean, like I said, with Mike Valley, I mean, it was huge in the summertime here. He was living in Madison and um, we, you know, got together and I said, what, a, what do I got to do to get you to come on the ice with me and help me out? And, and he said, just ask. And that was huge. And we had, you know, a really good summer of just working on skills. Um, you know, one of the big things coming into pros was just man- like puck management and managing the game and, uh, really catching a lot more pucks, um, instead of letting them just hit you. And I think, you know, he, he worked a lot with, you know, some Finnish guys like Nicholas Beckstrom and Pekka Rene, um, and, and then Kari Lettinen, who, you know, they really, you know, really focused on the catching part of the game. Um, Mika Kiprasov, like those were the early guys where, you know, I, I started to change the way I kind of held my glove, tried to be a little more fluid with everything. And, you know, the, the Finnish flick or the Finnish flash or whatever you want to call it, but that fluidity and just being really confident in your the catching and controlling of the puck. I think that was a really big change for me. And, and that was, that went along with, you know, your feet getting to the right spot and then, then your hands can take over after that. Love it. Um, so many great lessons in this interview. I don't want to keep you any longer. I do want to ask one last one, like careers, obviously like to go from where you were and all the things you had to change 2012 NHL All-Star Game, 500 games. What does it mean to you to hit 500 games? I looked it up. I was like, there's only 76 goalies in the history of the National Hockey League that have played 500 games. As much as there's still more ahead for you, how much pride do you take in that one in particular? That was big. I think I didn't really, you know, think about it like like we talked about. It wasn't like on my radar as far as you know, games played. I, you know, you, you're definitely you're in the up moment. there and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, my teammates, I think Justin Braun this year was like, okay, we're 20 away, we're, we're 18 away. Every every game I would play, there was a countdown. And, you know, with, with my role in Philly this year and how things were going, I was like, I probably won't get there this year, but, I, like, you know, it'd be awesome, you know, in the next couple of years here. But, you know, I was able to right at the end of the year get there. And it definitely it means a lot because, you know, I was in Ottawa when Daniel Alfredson had his, thousand game you know reception and he obviously was in you know the same spot for for all those games and it was so cool to see that you know how much it meant to him to to reach a milestone and obviously for goalies 500 is kind of you know the thousand game mark for players and you know I, I never really saw myself in that capacity of the NHL and you know it's I've never never been yeah you're confident in yourself but you're also kind of try to be humble and just take things as they are. And I never thought of myself as being a guy that to, to be celebrated like that when, 
you know, ex-teammates are recording videos for you and, and, you know, saying all those good things about you uh, during a celebration and getting the, you know, the silver stick. And it's just, uh, it, it was really cool. I'm really proud of it. You know, there's, there's one more uh, big silver thing that uh, I want to go after this next few years here. And, you know, that's why I'm excited to get down to Tampa because they, they know, they know what they're doing the last couple of years, I think. Yeah, they, they're doing okay with that that big silver one that everybody wants. Brian, what a remarkable career, like I said so far, and, and in no means with it, as I say that, it feels like it's an end, and I know it's not. So best of luck in the next chapter and chasing that last uh, milestone. Look forward to getting back to normal and hopefully getting to see you in a locker room again. Uh, this season as you guys hit the road up here in Vancouver. And you know, mostly just thank you so much for your time today amidst all this busy schedule to to join us on the Ingoal Radio Podcast. There are a lot of goalie parents and a lot of young goaltenders that are going to listen to your words and advice uh, from, from the different stages of your career and have a lot of takeaways from it. So thank you for taking the time to share it. Yeah, anytime. Love to talk about it. So it's, uh, it's my passion. So thanks for having me on for sure. Really excited uh, for Brian and to get that uh, that opportunity to play with a bonafide contender uh, for uh, a Stanley Cup and a guy that can go in if anything should happen. And, and we've watched him at several times get streaky and white hot and he can he can really get the job done. And the schedule that came out, gentlemen, because there's that gap in February for the Olympic Games should the National Hockey League go to Beijing. It's it's so hectic and arguably more hectic than it was this past season, the 56-game schedule, because you don't have the two-game series uh, all over the place, uh, more travel. So I, th- I think they're going to they're gonna have to play Brian Elliott uh, a lot more than, than normally would over an a 82-game schedule, say, under the format five, year, five years ago. And you got to expect Vazzy's going to be a little bit busy with the Olympics if they're going to. Yeah, yeah. And the other part of that is, uh, you know, we we focus so much on the NHL signings. Really important to note how key some of the signings below that level are going to be for so many teams. With condensed schedule, no taxi squads, all the things you mentioned. I think next year, travel being back in is going to be an even bigger grind. For a lot of guys coming off, a sh- well, for everyone, but some more than the others, a shortened off season. Like I think you're going to need three, maybe four, a lot more than you have in years past. And we've already talked about how having three is important. So as much as we talk about Brian Elliott, don't overlook, you know, Maxime Le- Legacy, uh, a guy you would know from Vegas, Darren, signing as the number mm-hmm. three with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know, uh, other deals, Calvin Picard stays in Detroit, Christopher Gibson goes to Florida. Um, just kind of scrolling through that list. Andrew Hammond, um, you know, a lot of Troy those Grossnick. Yeah. I was looking for Grosser's name. Grossnick goes Boston. to Boston after they trade Dan Vladar to Calgary, Scott Wedgwood re-signing in New Jersey, a guy that I think is, you know, could, we could be talking about as that next maybe next Chris Dreger uh, as a late bloomer, like those insurance policies in the three hole Carolina just made it official. Alex Lyon um, signed him to go behind um, Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ranta. And let's be honest, given Auntie Ranta's history over the past couple of years, if he can't stay healthy, 
you better have a three there, if not a four, our good friend back warm. Um, so a lot of those types of deals. Charlie Lindgren leaves the Montreal Canadiens, signs with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Adam Werner in Calgary. Those Garrett Sparks, our good friend Garrett Sparks with the LA Kings after Troy Grosnick goes to Boston. Those deals sometimes get too easily overlooked and end up being the difference sometimes for a team between making and not making the playoffs because they bought themselves. Hey, we talked about Edmonton. They have an insurance policy. It's so important. And the San Jose Sharks, like their their goaltending's basically brand new, right? Oh, how many teams have completely new tandems? Buffalo, yeah. Arizona, Carolina, San Jose. Yeah, James Reimer and and uh, Aiden Hill. Reimer's returning. I was going to say two two past guests of the Ingle Radio podcast, but we're actually hitting a point, boys. Where pretty much everyone who moves has been a past guest of the Ingle Radio podcast. Episode one thirty. Crazy. Wow. Uh, well done. Uh, that feature interview brought to you by Sensorina Sensorina VR with uh, Brian Elliott. Uh, incredible story. Uh, just. He really wasn't supposed to play uh, this long in the National Hockey League. Uh, if you look at his route, and he certainly wasn't supposed to play as much as he did early on, a couple of all-star games, and and went in and did an amazing job uh, for the Ottawa Senators at the start of his career. And really, everywhere he's gone, he, he's he stood in there. And I think he's one of those sort of uh, underappreciated uh, guys in the league for when you look at the numbers that he's produced. 100%. Absolutely agree with that. And, and like I said, that's why I wanted, I've been wanting to get this story out there for a while. Like I think his path, his journey uh, is one that hasn't been told enough beyond, uh, beyond sort of a small circle. Hey, Hutch, uh, I like to lean on you just to get the, uh, the feel uh, for which way the wind is blowing. Uh, minor hockey side of it. Uh, where are you? Uh, how are things progressing? And, uh, and are you on the right path? Great question, because it sounds like it's different just about everywhere. It's real good out here on the West Coast. Um, we're sort of back to normal. Um, my son's team's got their main camp this weekend. I know there's a whole lot of minor hockey uh, camps uh, on the go now, and, it, and it, it looks good for the fall. Just hope everybody stays safe, guys. And, and I hope those, those areas that got hit a little bit harder, uh, Ontario, I know, Manitoba, places like that. I, I hope people are able to get back on and get back to some level of normalcy because it's really important for families and for kids, especially. And one of the things Hutch, I agree, but you mentioned that you've been at a camp and so many kids don't even know where they're playing next year because everything's behind. Yeah. We've got yeah. some great advice coming up over the weekend at ingolmag.com for parents and young goalies that actually ties into all this movement we've been talking about. Some really good advice from Nadelkovich and some of our past interviews with Demko and Carter Hart about a situation that a lot of these young goalies are going to find themselves in, working with new goalie coaches and new voices as you switch teams. It's it's all over the place in the NHL. It's relevant right down to minor hockey, and we've got some great advice from those goalies coming up at ingoldmag.com. I got a good one for you guys. It's just kind of fun. There were two, two things. What, what Woody was alluding to there was at Eli Wilson's camp. Uh, at his prospects camp, all the kids get up on the first uh, Sunday night dinner and they introduce themselves to the rest of the group and they, they just tell everybody where they uh, are playing this season. And, and it really stood out to all of us that half or more than half, maybe two thirds of the kids weren't sure yet. And I think that's largely related to just the delay in the number of training camps. And there's a strange trickle down happening for a lot as well, because junior uh, seasons are pushed a little bit later, and that, of course, affects other organizations uh, for kids that are hoping to move up and maybe do or do not. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of kids uh, not sure what they're doing. But, guys, one of the <laughs> just a fun memory for me 
Eli used to also have the kids announce where they want to play one day. What's your goal? Where are you going? And of course, as you go around the room, this was a camp of younger kids. And as you go around the room, uh, you know, I'm Johnny, I'm from Manitoba, and I'm going to play for the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm going to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm going to play for the Edmonton Oilers. And this one little precocious dude stands up and he says, my name's little Johnny. And uh, one day I'm going to be in beer league. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, well, that's the one kid in the room is right. Because <laughs> yeah. we all end up there. Yeah, we all end up there. All roads yeah. lead to beer league. I got a t-shirt that says that thanks to uh, our friend Kane Van Gate. That's uh, awesome. I was riding the bus uh, with a, uh, a an editor from uh, Great Britain, lives uh, just outside of London, and he loves the sport. And uh, I said, uh, well, we all, he, he played a, a little bit in the, in, in their system. Uh, when he was younger and I said, well, now you play men's league. Yeah. Um, I use the same line. We all, we all end up in men's league. And I said, uh, same Thursday night at 11 o'clock, uh, we all end up there. And he's like, I wish I could get ice time at 11 o'clock. We're two in the morning oh uh, for our, our, our men's league. So there's a love uh, of the game. Yeah. Just love of the game. He, he, he absolutely uh, adores it. He's a defenseman, but I didn't hold that against him. Hey, because it, it automatically, automatically made me feel smarter. Speaking of two in the morning and love of the game, Darren, it's almost three in Japan. Go to bed and thank you for being so loyal to the Ingo Radio podcast and staying up for like 18 hours to do this with us today. We can't thank you enough. I've never seen Darren hosting with his eyes closed, but it looks like that's been going on for the last half hour here. Well, that's because I'm. Uh, it looks like my eyes are closed, but I'm looking off to the side at uh, the hockeyshop.com and the uh, hockey's back uh, sale, uh, 20 to 50% off. Uh, I just can't wait to go through that. It'll, I'll wait and really dive into it tomorrow and thanks to sensorina sensorina vr cam of course uh, the hockey shop and brian elliott and to uh you uh guys uh, for making this possible david hutcherson and uh kevin woodley and the listeners and the subscribers and the ingle premium members uh we love uh this journey and uh, it's such an exciting time even the off season is turning into a 12 month a year uh endeavor uh keeping track of things uh, certainly uh this year so stay safe uh and let us know what you're doing where you're playing and uh, what your plans are we love hearing from everybody uh so uh go onto the site or uh send us a direct message on on the twitter account uh, be safe and we'll talk to you next week from both the lower mainland vancouver island and japan <laughs>